Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. I am uh, so thankful for you all because you have jumped in on our ministry over at the Pomona Fairplex, where, as you know, there are a thousand kids uh, who are migrants who showed up at the, the U.S. border without parents, and they're being housed there as uh, people look for homes for them uh, to live in, either of distant relatives or, in some cases, foster families. Uh, and um, such, a, such a, an, an intense uh, a scary situation to have walked across a country to get here uh, and really not know where to go. And you all have jumped in because as you, as you remember, uh, Real Life was one of four churches that was invited to go in there and help care for the kids in there. So I appreciate the teams. Uh, we're going twice in October. We'll be invited back again in November. And then I think in December, they're going to need Christmas presents. Don't start sending Christmas presents to the church. They're going to tell us which, what they need before we uh, bring it in. But um, I appreciate you all jumping in and taking part in caring for those folks over there. Uh, what, a, what a good congregation to be doing stuff like that. Um, today we begin a new series of teachings, and I want to talk to you about listening to God, uh, because we ended our last series saying if there's nothing else we want to do in preparation for the next world crisis, be it a pandemic or what have you, uh, we want to go into it listening to God, prepared for whatever comes. And so I want to enter into this series now uh, and, and prepare us uh, to listen to what God has to say. Uh, and that begins with prayer. So pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you love us enough to call us close to you and you want to speak to us. You don't want us guessing at you. You don't want us walking around clueless. You want us to hear your voice, to recognize the voice of the shepherd and to go where you lead. So speak to us as we seek to listen. Teach us to listen well. Teach us to hear. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Early on in my pursuit of listening to God, I had a moment when I was probably 22 years old. I was just graduated from college and I had been seeking after God, but frustrated with the fact that I always felt like I was guessing at what God wanted. I remembered hearing a Christian speakers say that the events of your life are like letters, and if you place them all together, they spell out God's love letter to you. I didn't like that, because I didn't want to have to piece together a riddle to figure out what God wanted. I just wanted to know. So there was a day where I hiked up a mountain in Northern California, a mountain called Mount Diablo, the mountain of the devil, which probably not the right one to pick, but that's what I did. Hiked up to the top of this near, near mountain for prayer. And I went up on the top of this mountain and I prayed and I said, God, I don't want to play a guessing game with you. I don't, I don't want to just have to, to, to hope that I'm getting it right. Just speak to me. Tell me what you want. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you want to say, I'll listen. Just tell me, speak to me. Whatever you want to say, I'll listen. Uh, and nothing happened. And I, I went down the hill frustrated that day uh, because I had not heard from God. But Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And I didn't realize then I was knocking on a door that in times to come would be 
opened in significant ways. As we enter into this new series together, Listening to God, I want us to knock on that door. I want us to ask, what is it like to listen to God? And I'm going to do something a little bit different today than we normally do in our Sunday sermons. Normally, we'll take a text from the Bible and we'll put it on the table and we'll dissect it. We'll analyze it. We'll study all the words. If I've had a lot of coffee that morning, we'll study the words in the Greek. Uh, we, we really get into the text and, uh, and break it apart. But I want to do something a little bit different today because honestly, I, I feel like I was led by God to do it when I was praying. Uh, I was in fact kneeling down in this room right here and praying uh, about life and about sermons. And I felt like I heard God say, preach this. I'm going to do something a little bit different today because normally we dissect a text, but I want to show you what it's like to let the text encounter you in the wild. It's kind of like the difference between a hiker who runs into a mountain lion on a hike and a zoologist who dissects a mountain lion on a table in the lab. Both of them know a lot about mountain lions but I'd rather have the hiker with me on a day-to-day -day basis. We tend to analyze the text by dissecting it and studying it, and that's perfectly fine and good in a post-enlightenment rationalist society. It allows us to control the text, to look in, look for it, look, uh, in it for what we're trying to find. But when the text encounters you in the wild, it gets to decide how the conversation goes. And so today I want to show you how I discover the text in the wild as I'm listening for God. And I realize this is a little bit different. Uh, I want to tell you the, the practical nuts and bolts of what it means to pray. Uh, and as I do this, I remember a guy I met years ago who was an, an older adult. And he asked me at one point, in kind of an embarrassed whisper, how do you pray? I don't understand. And this is a guy who had been to church his whole life. He'd gone to church almost every Sunday of his life, and he was asking well along in years, how do you pray? And I started to wonder, what have pastors been teaching him that that is unfamiliar to him, that the act of praying is not yet clear in his mind? And I don't want you to have that experience. So I want to begin this series on listening to God, in which each week we'll look at biblical texts and dissect them and analyze them and talk about people who listen to God in the Bible. But today... I want to start with the nuts and bolts of praying. And I want to show you in really simple and straightforward terms how I pray. In prayer, there's a, uh, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's a before, a during, and an after. And I want to walk you through those things. Before I pray, there's a few things I do. There's a few preparatory acts I do to get ready for prayer. One, uh, I, I begin every morning by inviting God into my life. And I, I've taught you this before. If you listen to our teachings on a regular basis, there's a sort of a morning liturgy I go through where there are four things that I remind myself of. And it's, it's sort of a prayer, but it's also inviting God into my day. Uh, I, I begin the day by, by telling myself uh, four things that I need to remember. I say, one, God made the world and God made me. Two, God is in control and I'm not. Three, God absolutely recklessly loves me. So, four, now let's live the day with Jesus. And it's just sort of a morning liturgy I do. It might be, you might call that a meditation because I'm, I'm reflecting on God. I'm, I'm remembering what is true about God. I, I begin the day that way. 
So that's one. There's a couple other things I do in preparation for prayer. Two, uh, I, I keep the Sabbath day. Every day, uh, every, every week I mark off a day, which is a Sabbath day. Usually for me it's Fridays because I sort of have a gig on Sundays. Your Sunday might be your Sabbath day. Uh, you can pick whichever day is best for you. The Sabbath day is meant for worship and Bible study and prayer and rest. It's not meant for chores or getting in one more thing that you didn't get done that week or soccer practice. The Sabbath day is meant to be a day of rest and worship. And I keep that fairly religiously, not ironically, because if, if we don't make time for a Sabbath day, we're not going to make time for most of the other things God wants in our lives. Dallas Willard, a philosophy professor who's now in heaven, says it this way. He says, the, the Sabbath is the gateway to all the other spiritual disciplines. If you're not making time for God, you're not going to learn to pray. If you're not making time for God, you're not going to read the scriptures. If you're not making time for God, you're not going to have worship. And the Sabbath day is just that. It is time for God. It's the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 of the, of the Ten Commandments. God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your servant, your animals within your gates or strangers who visit your house. Keep the Sabbath day. And so in preparation for prayer, I make sure I mark off a day every week where I live to reflect on the fact that God made me, that God called me that God loves me, and that God is good. So I, I invite God into every day. I keep the Sabbath day. And the third preparatory act I do in prayer is, is I'll regularly fast. Uh, we did a survey one Sunday in church in here through our app, and we asked, how many of you have ever fasted before? And I think most of us said we never have, never even tried it. Fasting traditionally is abstaining for something for a short period of time to focus on prayer. Traditionally, it's uh, abstaining from food for a day, even if it's just a breakfast and lunch, it's skipping food for a day, but consult your physician. Um, some people will fast from television or social media or caffeine or sugar or whatever uh, they feel like is a distraction to them. And fasting is that act of saying, I'm going to clear out of my mind and out of my life anything that for today would satisfy me because I'm not going to be satisfied by anything but God. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you, when you walk outside at night here in uh, L.A. County, and you look up at the sky, you can't see much. There aren't a lot of stars to see from here in the city because the city is already filled with light. But if you drive out into the desert at night, you see that overhead there is an ocean of light in the heavens all the time that goes unnoticed. Well, fasting cuts out the things that would normally satisfy us or make us happy on a day-to-day -day basis, things like food. And when we fast... We realize that overhead there is a whole ocean of happiness in the heavens every day that goes unnoticed. Fasting is that act of saying, I am going to, in my body, in my soul, limit the things I take in so that I can only take in God's will today. Uh, some people I know fast once a week. Uh, some people just do it sporadically or occasionally. If you've never done it before, remember Jesus, again in the Gospel of Matthew, it's either, I think it's Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast, do it this way. He says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He presumes that we're going to. When you fast, here's how to do it. So if our Lord is presuming that we're going to do it, we probably ought to at least give it a try. Uh, and so fasting is the third thing I do in preparation for prayer. So I, I invite God into my daily life. I keep the Sabbath. And I regularly fast to pray. That's the before part of prayer. 
Now, during prayer, here's what I do. First, I'll, I'll turn on some worship music. You should have a favorite song set of worship songs that you like. You can pick up some new ones on Sunday morning or on our online broadcast whenever you watch it. If you, uh, you want to uh, chase down an artist that you like, you can get a collection by a certain artist. But you ought to have a set of worship songs, a song list that you like to listen to. I like to listen to songs in which the artist describes God and honors God and begins a conversation with God because that allows me to envision being in a conversation with Jesus. So, so first I, I, I listen to some worship music. Um, then I'll, I'll keep a Bible nearby uh, at hand because I want to discover it in the wild. Uh, and often I'll, I'll kneel down. So I'm going to show you how I do this. Normally I'll, I'll kneel down when I pray. And this is, um, this is a, a, a physical form of prayer that goes back a long way. Uh, and I like it because it's uh, akin to a football player waiting for the coach to call the play and send the team out on the field. So in my mind, in my heart, that's what this is. I'm waiting for the coach to tell me where to go. Um, it's also an act of surrender. And prayer is fundamentally an act of surrendering ourselves to God. Um, I like to pray with my hands open. You don't have to do any of this, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to capture uh, physically in my body what's going on in my heart. Uh, in the same way, baptism is a physical sign that captures a spiritual reality. Uh, the posture we take in prayer is a physical manifestation of what we're doing in our heart and what we're saying to God. And, and when I pray like this, I, I picture a, a little kid learning to play catch uh, with uh, his mom or dad. And, uh, you know, a, a little kid, when they're first, when they're really little, they're learning how to, to play catch, their parents will say, hold your hands out like this, I'm going to throw you the ball. And they'll hold their hands out awkwardly because they've never caught anything before, like they're ready uh, for anything their parents want to throw at them. And if you've uh, ever been a parent and played catch with your kids, you know, this is the cutest, most fun uh, thing uh, in, in life. Um, and so when I pray, I like to say to God, I I'm waiting for whatever you want to throw. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be open to receive whatever you want to give me. Uh, and I try to think about this from the perspective of God, who's probably entertained uh, by me saying, uh, God, I'll, I'll catch whatever you want to send. And so I, I, I put on worship music. I get a Bible. I, I prepare to pray. And then I wait. Uh, and I'd encourage you to wait on God like you wait at the beginning of a concert. So imagine you go to a concert that you've been dying to go to, whether it's Beethoven or BTS. I don't know what you're into. But you're there, and the, the concert is supposed to start at, let's say, 8 o'clock. And you're sitting, and you're waiting, and 8.15 rolls by. Well, 8.15, uh, the performer's not out on the stage yet. You don't normally at that point say, that's it, I'm out of here, it's not worth it, and leave. Because you wanted to be there. You chose to be there. You're excited about this. I wait on God like I'd wait at that concert. Because I'm excited to encounter God. I'm not just going to take off in 15 minutes when nothing's happened. I'm going to sit and wait on him. Now, um, when I pray, this is the heart of prayer now. This is what I do. I approach God, uh, and it's, it's in the most casual language that you have. There is no special vocabulary to be used here. Prayer is an act for amateurs. When I go to God in prayer, 
I, I place all of who I am in front of him. Uh, and I, I get out on the table everything I need to say first. Because you know how when you, when you run into somebody and you want to talk to them, but something's happened to you and it's on your mind and you can't really focus on anything uh, they're saying because you're, some, there's something is really on your mind. Um, I know between me and God, he's the more patient of the two of us. So I'm going to go first because I have the feeling he's going to wait better than I do. And so I just lay in front of him everything that's going on in my life. Here's what's going on in my family. Here are my worries. Here are my concerns. Here's, here's what I need. I'm, I'm going to put all that in front of you. And then here's what's going on at work. Here's, here's my hopes for the church. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I need. I'm going to put all that in front of you. And I just name everything that's on my heart. And then, and then I surrender it to him because I'm not going to get to the heart of prayer until I, I get all this out and lay it in front of him. And surrender is that act of saying, uh, God, I know that you know better than I do what's good for me. And your plans for me are better than my plans for myself. You love my family more than I love them, even though I find that hard to imagine. So I give absolutely all of this to you. And now you go. And I wait for God to speak. And when you're waiting for God to speak, what you want to do is this. Pay attention to the thoughts that come to your mind. If a person comes to your mind, pray for that person. Pray that God would bless them and take care of them. If it's somebody you're mad at, pray that God would give you the supernatural power to forgive them. Sit and wait. Don't get too lost in daydreaming. Always bring it back to Jesus. Right? If you think about a person for a minute, then come back before Jesus and say, Jesus, how should I pray for this person? What is your heart for this person? Pay attention to images that come to your mind as you pray. I know you may think they're daydreams and distractions, but watch them for a second. If you read the Bible over and over again, people who prayed in front of God in the Bible saw images. There's a moment in the book of Amos where God says to Amos, what do you see? And Amos says, I see a basket of ripe fruit. And God says, that's right, and the time is ripe for Israel. And it's a, a, me, a warning message. But God speaks to Amos through this visual image uh, that he catches and that he then interprets. There's a moment in the book of Acts where Peter is praying. And Peter sees a blanket covered with unclean animals that Jewish people were not supposed to eat. And God says to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter goes, I don't do that kind of thing. And what God means is he's opening the door for the Christian faith to go beyond the Jewish population to the Gentile population. But he uses this interesting image, this visual image, to communicate with Peter. And I'm not sure exactly why God does this. God is a little bit of a poet. So as images come to your mind, ask God, does that mean anything? What does it mean? What do you want me to do with it? Pay attention to Bible verses that come to your mind. If any Bible verse comes to your mind while you're praying, open up your Bible and look it up and read it. And pay attention to the context in which that verse appears. Because any text taken out of context just leaves you with a con. Pay attention to the context in which the verse appears because there might be something God wants to tell you in the context of that passage. If you go to Deuteronomy 6, I think it starts at verse 4. 
there's a passage that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Reflect, up, reflect on them when you uh, sit at home. Reflect on them when you're on the road. Reflect on them when you get up in the morning. Reflect on them when you go to bed at night. Impress them on the, your children and write them on the door frames of your house. Spend time dwelling on God's word. Meditate on it. Take time to reflect on it. And you'll begin to experience the Bible in the wild. Then I listen for anything that God tells me to do. Sometimes in prayer, God will direct you. God told um, Peter in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 10, he says, Peter, I'm going to send you to Cornelius. There's somebody named Cornelius that you need to visit. And then God says to Cornelius in prayer, Cornelius, you're going to visit, get a visitor named Peter. Uh, receive him and talk to him. And because God uh, spoke to both of them in prayer and sent them to meet each other, Cornelius ends up becoming a follower of Jesus. Sometimes God will speak to you directly in prayer as you listen. So as you're praying, stop and listen for anything God directs you to do. If you sense that God is telling you to do something, try to do it that same day. If God tells you to forgive somebody, you forgive them right there in prayer. If God tells you to encourage someone, then later that day you write them a note of encouragement. I remember one time I was praying like this, and uh, I felt like I heard God say, um, Jim, uh, lie down. And I thought, you want me to take a nap? What are we doing here? And I felt like God said, no, no, no just lie down. And so I, I lay down right there on the floor. And immediately what came to mind were the words of Psalm 127. Uh, and I know Psalm 127 well because I've preached on it before. It says, If God does not build the house, the builders labor in vain. If God does not keep watch over the city, the guards keep watch in vain. In vain you rise early and go to sleep late, toiling for food, because God gives sleep to those whom he loves. And then I heard God say, Jim, I'll watch over you while you sleep. And for somebody who worries about getting things done and taking care of the world and making sure everything is ordered rightly, it's an incredible comfort to hear that even when I am in the vulnerability of sleep, God keep it, keeps watch. So whatever God tells you to do in prayer, go and do it. When I'm done praying, there's a few things uh, that uh, come after prayer. Uh, one, I'll usually uh, keep a notebook nearby and I'll write down things that I discovered or prayer in prayer or things that I prayed about, things that I want to remember. And if you keep a prayer journal like that, you'll look back at it and uh, look at how God has walked you through a progress in your life, a progress of prayer in your life. So write down the kinds of things uh, that God says to you. Um, then, um, the hardest part of prayer, you're going to want to get up. And uh, those of you who are younger than me will have no idea 
what I'm talking about, and those of you who are older than me will understand exactly. At a certain point, uh, after kneeling for about half an hour, uh, getting up uh, from prayer is sort of a black diamond experience, you know, like the hardest ski slopes of the black diamonds. It's sort of, a, oh, good Lord, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Can't feel anything from the waist down, but uh, that's okay. Uh, the more you get used to kneeling in prayer, the more your body gets used to it. The more you fast in prayer, the less you notice the hunger. Um, afterwards, uh, I say thank you. Um, when you make prayer a regular discipline of your life, when there are times that you miss prayer or go for a while without prayer, you will feel arising within you a kind of thirst like you have on a hot day when you've forgotten to drink water. It, you'll just get a physical sensation that says, I, I need to pray, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, and I think God wants to invite us into that kind of prayer life. There's a, uh, a guy who lived in around 110 AD, whose name was Hegesippus. I think I'm saying that right, Hegesippus. And he was, he was third generation, right? So Jesus taught his disciples James, John, Peter, they all went out and taught other disciples, and so Hegesippus was the next generation, so that's third generation, I think. And Hegesippus tells us something about James, the brother of Jesus, who was a leader of the church in Jerusalem, and about James' prayer life. And I'm actually going to read this to you. Um, Hegesippus describes what James' prayer life was like and uh, what happened to James as a consequence of his prayers. He says, James alone was permitted to enter into the holy place in the temple. That's the center of the temple. Uh, he, uh, he was in the habit of entering alone into the temple and was frequently found upon his knees begging forgiveness for the people so that his knees became hard like those of a camel. In consequence of this constantly bending them in his worship of God and asking forgiveness for the people. He uh, he got to the point where he had prayed so much, his body bore the physical calluses of his prayer life, which just tells me that a lot of us have a long way to go. A couple of notes on prayer before we go. First of all, always remember, prayer is an amateur event. You do not need a priest to do it for you. Prayer is for everybody, and prayer is for you. There was a, uh, a play written in the late 1800s called Cyrano de Bergerac. And Cyrano is this beautiful poet with a great way of words, and he's in love with the beautiful Roxanne. But there's one very big problem, uh, Cyrano's nose. Cyrano has this giant nose, and he's embarrassed by it. He feels like he's going to be too ugly for Roxanne to ever care for him, so he can't tell her how much he loves her. Meanwhile, Cyrano has a friend named Christian, and Christian is handsome, debonair, suave, but he's kind of stupid. And he's in love with Roxanne as well, but he doesn't know how to talk to Roxanne because he's not good with words. So Christian goes to Cyrano and says, hey, will you write me some poetry that I can recite to Roxanne? Will you write me some, some speeches that I can give to Roxanne? Not realizing that Cyrano himself is in love with Roxanne. So Cyrano writes these beautiful poems, these beautiful speeches to Roxanne, and Christian goes and reads them to her like it, they're his own words. And Roxanne falls in love with Christian because of the words of Cyrano. Now, if you want to know whether or not Roxanne figures out what's going on, if you want to know whether or not she falls in love with Christian or Cyrano in the end, go read a book. Stop watching YouTube videos. Hey, guess who has two teenagers at home? Right? It's a great, it's a great story. But here's, here's the deal. Don't let a priest be your Cyrano. 
Don't let a pastor tell you you have to have his words to go and talk to God. God wants your words. They don't have to be poetry. He just wants you. Secondly, pay attention to the fact that prayer can do different things for you at different times. Sometimes prayer is just healing. Sometimes God just wants to tell you exactly the things that you need to hear. I will watch over you when you sleep. And if all you walk away from prayer with is exactly the word you needed to hear, that's a great day in prayer. Sometimes prayer will inform you. Sometimes prayer in prayer, God will tell you things that you need to know. Sometimes God will say, here's a sermon I want you to preach. Go say this. Teach them how to pray. This is it. Sometimes prayer will send you. Sometimes prayer will give you directions. Go and meet Cornelius. Go and meet Peter. I want you to go out and accomplish something. Prayer does different things at different times. Just be attentive to that. Thirdly, remember as we encounter God's word in the wild, the goal is not that we would fall in love with dissecting the Bible. The goal is that we would fall in love with Jesus. The Bible is a sign that points us towards him. It's not pointing towards itself. Imagine you get a, a love letter from someone and it's all goo goo gaga and it's so beautiful. They even write it in calligraphy and they put little hearts over the eyes and it's all sweet. And you get this, this love letter and you go, oh this, oh, this letter is so beautiful. You're like Cyrano. This is such a beautiful letter. And the person says to you, okay, so now do you want to go out? And you go, no, no, I don't need to. I've got your letter. Your letter is just so great. I don't need to go out with you. And I mean, the person would be baffled. No, no, I, I wrote you the letter so you'd like, so you'd like me. He goes, well, I don't, I don't need you. I've got your letter and that's good enough. Some of us go at the Bible that way and say, I don't really need Jesus, I've got his words. I'll just love the Bible. Uh, it's easier and safer than loving him. The Bible is meant to point us towards him, not towards itself. Imagine somebody uh, on Sunday morning uh, uh, goes running out of the church to get donuts after the service. We have free Krispy Kreme donuts every Sunday. By the way, you folks who are only watching at home, you might want to come by and visit sometime. Free Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and every service lets out, they all go running outside to get the donuts. And you walk outside in the lobby, and there's a person who has stopped in the lobby. They haven't gone for the donuts. They've stopped in the lobby. And they're staring at a sign that says donuts this way. And you go up to them and say, what are you doing? Say, oh, I just, I love this sign. The font is beautiful. It's got the correct hues of red and green from the Krispy Kreme. It just, I love the way this points towards where the donuts are. Like, at that point, I would say, okay, I'm going to go eat your donut right now, right? Because the sign is meant to point towards the donuts, not towards itself. God's word is there for us to encounter in the wild, not so that we simply fall in love with his word, but so that we fall in love with him. So remember, a living and active prayer life is an essential ingredient of following Jesus. It's not just about getting the right Bible facts in your head. Finally, fourthly, remember that prayer is a living conversation with Jesus in the most simple and straightforward terms. I remember a, a pastor telling me that he uh, had gotten a call from a woman uh, who was desperate. She said, my husband is in the hospital. He's dying. Uh, he needs a pastor to go and visit. Can you go see him? And the pastor said, absolutely. He went to the hospital to visit this guy. This uh, guy was in bed, and he didn't have, have long to live. And he spent some time sitting by the bedside and talking to the, the gentleman. And the guy said, um, pastor, I have a, a question for you before you go. Um, I don't understand what prayer is. I, I've, always, I've always wondered. I just don't, I don't get it. And the pastor pulled up an empty chair by the bed, and he goes, 
So just do this. Just picture Jesus sitting here in this chair by your bed and just talk to him the way you talk to me or the way you talk to any friend. Just whatever in your own language. Just talk to him the way you talk to anybody else. That's what prayer is. And the man said, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. A couple weeks passed. Uh, the pastor ran into the wife, and he said, um, How, how's your husband? And she said, oh, he's, he's just passed. She said, but at the end, he did something strange, and I don't, I don't understand it. She said, after he died, they, they found him, And apparently he had sat up in bed and leaned over and put his head in the seat of an empty chair. Uh, we don't know what he was doing. Prayer is that act of drawing close to Jesus because Jesus wants to be close to you. He doesn't need any special introduction. He doesn't need you to be in the right place in your life. He just wants to talk to you. And when we enter into that living relationship with Jesus, we really can encounter him out in the wild of daily life. Over the next few weeks in the series called Listening to God, that's what we're going to do. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you... Invite us into a relationship with you and a conversation with you. Give us a faith that's more than facts in our heads. Give us a faith that's a living conversation with you. Teach us to listen for your voice and to recognize the voice of the shepherd. Teach us to look for you for the healing that we need. And send us where you want us to go. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.